0: So today I am joined by the very talented Temple Tears. And brother, I have to tell you, I spent the last hour marinating in your music and getting <laughs> calibrated to your frequency. And let me just start by saying your sound is very special to me. It's, if I had to describe it, it's this driving, powerful groovy, dark, but uplifting down tempo. Um, When when you hear me say that, does that
1: feel right? Is that what you're going for? Yeah. First of all, thank you for the invite. Uh, And yes, uh, it's pretty much what I feel when I do it. Uh, I like to, I think I like to uh, give a wedding to dark and, and uplifting. Oh, my God.
0: That's my favorite. It offers a space for me to tap into some of the darkness in my subconscious in a playful, curious way. And that's really the shit that gets me going. It's like if you can make me feel it and I can Mm -hmm. bring it to the surface. And then there's movement involved. It is extremely healing. And I think that anyone that connects with it is experiencing this healing process, whether they truly realize it or not. And I do realize it. So that's part of the reason I wanted to have you on here today was just to connect with you as a human being, but also get your perspective on why you make music and what gets you excited. So I think a Good place to start this conversation. Okay. I did some research on you. There's not a lot of information out there, but in two different places, uh, it was written that you were born in Paris, but you were reborn in the deserts of Burning Man, and I believe 2014. You said, is that right?
1: Yeah, it's right. 2014.
0: So what's up with that? What what? caused you to list that in your profile
1: so uh, in 2014 i attended my first burning man uh, with my brother and some friends and um, we decided to go to the temple one by one because you know the temple is like a sacred place uh where people are mourning people or IDs of themselves whatever and and i came by myself at the temple uh And it was so intense when I got out, I cried like a baby, like really like, like I never cried like this since a very long time, like, like a kid. And this is the moment I was telling myself, if one day I have to do uh, a music project, um, that I love, um, and that is meaningful to me, I will call it Temperatures. So yeah, (laughs) this is the reason uh, of the name, but also I like you said before I found it very healing uh to cry like for me it's the same as having a, uh, as dancing on a dark on a dark um a dark truck you know it's like you let go all of that uh emotional stiffness you know mm-hmm. and and you you just yeah you just let go and uh, and it's it was really good to feel myself crying like this like somebody something to to leave my, my body mm.
0: yes i like to think of our bodies physically and emotionally all of it yeah. as a bit of a river and if we don't allow a release every once in a while the water starts getting still and this yeah. is really how diseases come into our body And I, were you much of a crier before this moment, or was this like a big opening for you? No,
1: I I, I was. I was. uh, I'm. I'm easy with my emotion. I share them with people and my surroundings pretty easily. So, uh, if I watch a movie, I have no problem to cry. If I'm sad, I have no problem to cry. Or, but if I'm happy, I'm laughing. I was always like expressing myself a lot. So, but during those last. Years be, uh, before, before Burning Man, uh, I was like a, I had a, a, another music career which I won't talk about, but um, it was pretty intense and I uh, was kind of stuck in a loop and everything was automatic and the music producing is something I love more than anything. and it started to be my job and not my passion anymore. so, uh, so I think this is why I, I cried so much because I, I had to let go of something.
0: Mm. And then Temple Tears was born from there.
1: Exactly, uh, Temple Tears was born, but like the name was born, like my new heart for music producing was born. But like I started producing down tempo like six years after that. Wow! Yeah, I I I I searched my my new playground. You know, I've, I've experimenting experimented stuff, different genre. Uh, progressive house techno. I've 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 played a lot with music, without any boundaries, and I fin- finally met uh, down tempo through a group of friends. And
0: were you touring and playing gigs in between two thousand fourteen and twenty twenty? Because I see that your first official productions, and we'll get to a deeper dive into your releases but it was on uh, LOKD, and that was in yeah. 2020. So were you were you DJing during that time?
1: So I was DJing uh, with my former name, and I was also having a few gigs, uh, but without any releases uh, uh, under the name Temperatures. So it was more about using my business uh, contacts and my, my connection and my network to get some shows. But it was, like I said, there was no particular sound. It was just, like, uh, me who wants to discover how to play and have fun again and produce and have fun again. So, yes, I had some gigs, but, like, not, I was not, like, uh, was, it didn't mean anything. Okay. Yeah. It really started, like, when, uh, during the lockdown, when I started to produce every day, like... <laughs>
0: Wow. So the lockdown is responsible for this medicine that I've been taking from you.
1: (laughs) Pretty much. I mean, like exactly. And what is funny is like uh, I know a lot of people who didn't like the lockdown, but I have have to say I'm sorry for that, but I loved it because I was like allowed some free time to explore and do what I want. And the funny story is like my first release has been released unlocked. How cool is that?
0: Dude, that's <laughs> that's what I want to talk about. Um I'll say very briefly that with all sensitivity to the pandemic, of course, uh, the lockdown was extremely beneficial to me as well and not always in the prettiest of ways. It's it's almost like my escapes were taken away from me and I had to really get in touch with myself and really understand what do I like to do when I'm not running off to parties and going to cafes all day long. What does Lee that's, that's me, by the way, what does Lee really like to do? And I think a lot of people don't have an answer to that. So when you take away the outside world they're stuck suffering and uh, complaining about the situation. Now, Mm -hmm. you mentioned that your first release was on Locked. Uh, I never know how to pronounce these labels and all this European Uh, shit. Uh, I've been calling them L-O-K-D, so it's Locked. I believe they're out of Switzerland, is that correct?
1: Uh, Yes, I think they're based in Zurich.
0: Yes, well, even if they're not, it doesn't matter. But... In preparation for our conversation, I was looking for some talking points and I opened up crates. Are you familiar with crates.co, by the way? No, not at all. What is it? It's a website that uses your login information from Beatport and it's a little bit more customizable, a little bit more user-friendly uh, okay. I highly recommend it for anyone who spends time researching music on Beatport. Crates.co. C O. Okay. Yeah, crates.co.
1: Crates.co. Crates. Okay. I'll check this out later.
0: Authentic marketing there for a platform that's really been useful to me. And I open up crates and I search for Temple Tears and I'm looking at your releases. And I'm like, okay. His first release is in 2020. And it's this song. It's a remix of uh, Nagina, which oh. I remember I did a video for during lockdown. It was in front of my house in New Jersey. And I'm looking at your discography and I'm like, hold on a minute. How is this possible? Because. Usually, when I look at an artist, their first couple of releases are with a record label that I've never heard of, or maybe, uh, with all due respect, a lower-level label. But you jump right onto the scene with one of my favorite, quote-unquote, down-tempo record labels, and then your first actual EP was with them a month later. That's the Matilde EP, which is incredible not only is it incredible you have a remix from Kermesse and a remix from Arutani i'm like who the fuck is this guy like can you and if it's a secret thing that you're doing yeah, that, that's fine that's but okay. how does this happen is it obviously the music's great so that that's the first part um so thank you for that by the way but can you help me understand how you jumped into production and right off the bat you're unlocked and then your next release is a remix on fucking Akumandra? Like, how does mm. this happen?
1: So there's uh, different different things I think here. Uh, there's a part of luck. Uh, there's a part of luck in everything, but uh, another reason is that I I'm I'm producing music since twelve years. So I'm very familiar with, uh, sound design and mixing, which helped me a lot. I think to stand out because, uh, for people, oh, temperatures was a new name. So maybe there was like a gap between the fact that it's a new name, but there is like 12 years of produ- production behind that makes like, oh wow, It's like how it's possible. So. People don't know that I've produced since 12 years, and I mean like, now they know. Um, also, I know a lot of friends who are producers and they are always shy to send music to the big guys and the big label. And so I asked my group of friends, what are the biggest label in Down Because like, I didn't know that much at that time about the scene. So they gave me the names. Um, and of course, I did my research. And I think if you're not scared, if you just try get it, give it a shot. I mean, like those people have emails. They do get the emails and they listen to the music. So uh, I think if 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 you if you are confident and that your music is good and you send it to a label you like, they might sign it. And this is what happened Um, also. Probably another reason is it was during the lockdown, uh, during the COVID crisis. So maybe maybe all the um, other people were like slowing it down. Like all the down tempo guys who released, maybe they slowed it down on the on the production and they just t- took a break from it. And I see that I used that as an opportunity, like without even knowing it. So it's a different reason. But yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, well. It sounds like some things fell into place. We can call that luck if we want, but ultimately you really put yourself out there. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's a really inspiring story for some artists who may be listening, who sort of have this fear or resistance about sending their music to the bigger labels. It's like, Hey, take your shot. You know, like the worst is they can say no.
1: I think, I mean, like there's something for sure, if you don't send it, they won't sign it. So, so it's tricky because I know some uh, young artists, they are, they are afraid of being like blacklisted if their music is not good enough, like, and I get it. I mean, if I was, a, a, I used to have a record label and if I received like one, two, three emails from the same artist and this, the three demos are like, not my jam, I'm probably not gonna listen to the music anymore from that guy in the future. Maybe. But I mean, like, if you're confident, like, in what you do, just send it. If if you like what you do, just send it. Well, like the, the worst worst case scenario, they don't answer you. That's right. it. They, they don't burn you. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was interesting for me to learn about the producer record label process and how, mm-hmm. it, correct me if I'm wrong, but generally speaking, the producer is sending tracks to the labels that they think are a fit. And then the label sort of decides, yes, we want to Mm -hmm. make an EP with you. And in talking to some new producers, they explained to me this whole uh, sort of dilemma they face where, okay, I already sent one project to them and they didn't like it. So now, if I send another one, it, it really has to be yeah. like my good work, so that I'm not on that blacklisted list. But ultimately, I mean, it's a part of the process. Uh, yeah. you can't record labels can't sign everything, and we can only listen to so many demos. There's only so much ear power.
1: There's so many reasons you can you can be denied with a release or a demo. It's like it can be the track is not good enough, or the person doesn't like it, or it just doesn't fit. Uh, maybe you just need to work a little bit more. Maybe you're just a beginner. Be- um, maybe you just have to practice more and wait. I mean, every every person is different. But like, I think sometimes young producers, very young producers, they they want to. I mean, young people in general, they want to jump the steps. They want to cut the line. Um, they, they basically like start producing and then like uh, six months after they, they want to release their track and put it out on SoundCloud, which is, I mean, like, which is cool in a way. But uh, I think like when I started, I, w- I would have been too too stressed to share it to the world straight away. And and for me, like the label was the kind of uh, the, uh, the judge that I needed to make sure like, okay, so if a label is signing me, that means it's, uh, listenable <laughs> yeah. and I'm not gonna, and I'm not gonna get ridiculous. But nowadays it may it, it had changed. So it's, it's a different generation from mine, but I think, uh, there's no, there's not a, a, re- a recipe of how to, does it work. How right. It gets.
0: Let's let's talk about the evolution of the music scene just a little bit. I came into electronic music about four years ago, maybe it was five. And then probably three years ago, I started really becoming a student of the releases and the labels, less of the music and the bass lines and this stuff and more of holy shit, there's so much fucking music. How does anybody stay on top of this? Um, Help me understand, because you've been in this world for a decade or more. Um, To me, it feels like today there is more music coming at us than ever before. Everybody can be a producer. Everybody can upload on SoundCloud. Uh, Lots of artists have created their own record Mm -hmm. labels. And... It goes two ways for me. On one way, it's amazing. I mean, anybody, there's no barrier to sharing your creation anymore. And I think that's a beautiful thing. On the flip side, I've been doing some research about our attention span and our ability to focus. And what I'm finding is that we can't really focus on anything for more than an hour straight, basically. Like, if you're, they've done studies on this stuff. And the reason I bring that up is because there's only so much information we can take in. Mm -hmm. And when Friday comes around and I update my playlist and there's 200 new tracks. And this isn't in the whole world. This is just from the artists and the labels that I'm following. Mm -hmm. There's 200 tracks. The realistic situation is that I can't really sit and absorb all of that. Um, was it different 10 years ago? Was there less? And do you feel like less is more or what's your relationship with
1: it? Um, okay. Um, it's a very, it's a question I've, I've, uh, studied a lot. Um, there's actually a documentary, I think it's free online called press pause play mm-hmm. that exactly talks about how the, the, the fact that you can get the tool to make music, uh, easier is bringing more people and they ask this question, like, uh, is it it good or is it bad? Because you have more talented people out, but it might be uh, lost in the sea of producers. So this this documentary is really interesting. Uh, I do believe that it's great. Um, I'm from generation in between. Uh, the, the older guy who only analog and were, like a studio was fucking like <laughs> expensive. Like every piece of a device was like, was like super expensive. Like they have to, and, and nowadays you can just do music with just a laptop. And, I'm I'm from the generation in between. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is funny because, um, uh, when I when I produced a lot in my all former career, I had a studio, a music studio with expensive speakers, expensive ah uh, uh, devices, uh, and the expensive whatever you want. Like I had a load sheet of, of stuff going on, and and because of lockdown, I've sold my studio and I've started working on my laptop with just HD twenty five Sennheiser headphones, at home, and I I was like, whoa, so. I don't need all that shit. I think it was like it was like uh, like uh, I don't know how to say in English when you when you have like a, uh, uh, like a stuffed bear when you're a kid and you just want to be. Uh, conf- it's comforting to have those to have a lot of stuff like a lot of jeers, a lot of uh, VSTs. That's the instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really comforting that you think you need more to achieve more or better, which is wrong. It's not true, but it's comforting. And to answer your question, I think it's really cool that anybody can get uh, his end or her ends on um, um, a software to make music, because I mean, like. The purpose of music is just having fun and being creative. It doesn't it it's it doesn't matter if you're not a professional. It doesn't matter if you you sign on a label, it doesn't matter if you get booked uh, on festivals. I have a lot of friends in my group of uh in my group of people in my tribe who are DJing not producing but DJing uh as amateurs, but they're really good. Uh, even my bro- my little brother uh, is, is starting to DJ now and he's having a lot of fun and I, I enjoy that he sets and I enjoy the sets of my friends and they don't care if they will be booked or whatever oh it doesn't matter it's same for the music people produce just do it for yourself if you're true to your music and to your creation if it If it's uh, moving you and your emotion, it will move other people. I mean, you're not Mm. a freak. You're not a freak.
0: This is why I was confident in asking you to have this conversation. It's because of how I was connecting with your music. I was like, there's no way I'm not going to get along with this guy. (laughs) I feel this shit. Um, Let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, The purpose of music is having fun and creativity. I love that. Uh, something that really attracts me to the down-tempo scene is that it feels very artsy. Um, Some more of the major melodic techno labels, I think, reached a level of success. And then there's this element of business that I feel in their marketing and just the whole feel. And when I took the intentional dive into down-tempo, I discovered this label Lout and Louise, and I went to their website, and it's like a fucking trippy museum of art, and just so much intention around telling a story around the projects, and it really touched me. And then I'm looking at Down Records and Locked and Seraphin Audio Input, yeah, and it's. There's love there, and I really connect to the fun, playfulness, not taking it so seriously. So when you're producing music, um, what does success look like to you? Um, When I'm producing content, maybe I'm making a video where I'm sharing something very vulnerable. In the beginning, I was very impacted by the response, And after doing it for two or three years, it got to a point where it's like, I like this and maybe it's not for everyone, but I'm happy with what I created and now I'm sharing that. I get the sense that you're sort of in that realm as well, but I want to hear you talk a little bit about uh, what your intention is when you produce a track and then ship it out to a record label and and what makes you feel happy
1: at the end of the day. Okay. I don't know what what intention I put in my tracks because I I'm all uh, I I can't understand the the process of of being inspired it's something that really I think it's, it's you can like write books and, uh, and do movies about it like how come inspiration it's crazy for me uh what makes me happy is when I finish track when I can finally <laughs> say okay I can write final version or final (laughs) master uh, and I export the track. That makes me so happy. Like I've achieved something because uh, I'm always trying to, when I started 12 years ago, I was uh, starting um, projects and I was never finishing them because I was always changing some things and also the technique was not uh, on point. So. When a technique is not on point, you change a lot of stuff. Your mixing is uh, messy. But when you don't think about the technique and you just focus on the on the art art um, direction, you just listen to your flow. And so when it's done, you can say, "Okay, now it's finally done." And also, I'm I'm, I'm happy even if I don't sign a try because I know that I can I can still put it on SoundCloud for free, or I do a premiere with like. A, the SoundCloud channel. And also another uh, expression of success for me is when I uh, it's because of one of my creation alone in my in my, in my uh, room because of that I end up in front of a crowd playing that track. It's like a cool paradox I love in electronic music. You can be very lonely during the the creative process but then at some point you just want to be with everybody on a dance floor to share what you did by yourself and that's like people get a glimpse of who you are and that's priceless to see people dancing on your music and or for example like whistling when they recognize the notes and you're like fuck really and my bro- my friends from crepit uh, when it all started uh, for Temple Tears project, they told me, "Yeah, people are playing your tracks in Berlin," and I was like, "What? <laughs> like really?" And I was happy because it meant like what I did was not only for me; it also meant for other people, and that was cool. That's so cool, like.
0: <laughs> mm.
1: And but I don't I don't want to be a I I I'm not uh, gonna be I don't wanna be uh in a depend in codependence uh with the love of others because I used to be like that. Like yes. I used to need the approval of others. I would it would be a lie to say I don't care, but I've 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 done a long way now. Uh and it doesn't affect me at it used to. So I'm so happy when people like my music and can dance over it or send me great messages like, oh, it helps me to wake me up and uh, start my day or my weekend. I'm happy. But like if someone, for example, is like, like something negative, uh, I will just like notice it and maybe I will be pissed for like uh, 30 minutes and then I will just get over it.
0: Yeah, I can relate to that. I initially was dependent on the response. And then as I sort of looked inward at what was happening there, I started to build a stronger foundation in myself and just being proud of what I was creating. But then it was still being open to receiving the love, right? Like, who are we kidding? Of course it fucking feels good when people receive your vulnerable creation and they connected with it. But that's not going to be the source of what makes us feel whole oh. or complete as an artist or a person and i think that's a journey that any artist has their own experience with yes
1: yeah it's uh it's good to be uh on the edge like uh getting some love giving some love being alone being together um and also the, the there was something really um special that's like when when i back in the days when i, I started to tour uh, more and more i had like less and less time in the studio mm-hmm. so also i think it's good to be able to say no sometimes when you don't feel to have too many gigs or do too many remixes i used to say yes to every remix uh request i had now because i was afraid to say no to people and now uh I just say no. Either if I'm not feeling to do the, the, the remix, or if I don't have the time, I don't I don't have a problem to say no uh, or to a show or whatever, because um, I want to do everything at one hundred percent without with no regrets, with no pressure. I hated the pressure mm. of having deadlines, and uh, I hate that word. I hate to have deadlines. I hate it. <laughs> It's
0: so funny because I don't have deadlines, and I have ideas and projects. <laughs> and without having a deadline, uh, I don't really get the shit done. So I'm yeah. actually to, like I, calling deadlines into my life.
1: But you, 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 tr- you, you're right. Like I don't like deadlines, but I have to say that uh, when I have deadlines, uh, I get the shit done because I don't have a choice. <laughs> so. <laughs> In a way, it's like a, a kick in the ass, but I uh, I I feel like like I said, it's like a balance, like not too many, too much pressure, yeah, uh, but not being too loose, uh, too lousy, and just yeah, chill.
0: It's a thin line. You want to have the space to be able to really mm-hmm. give it your full attention, yeah, but you don't want to be super rushed in that process. Yeah. So I, I think there is a balancing act.
1: Yeah. For example, I
0: do a, go ahead.
1: Sorry. Um, for example, I have a remix I've accepted to do for K2WO on Kripit. Love this guy. Yeah, and I told them, uh, because they're a friend, uh, I'm okay to do it, but like I need to travel to until September or something like that. And ask if he's okay, and he is okay. So, so everybody's happy. The label is happy. The audience is happy. I am happy. This is good. But I still have our deadline in September, so I know that it's gonna come at some point. I take my time.
0: Yeah, a four-month deadline is pretty nice. It's okay. For, it's for okay. Remix.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: You mentioned learning to say no was a very valuable process for you. Mm-hmm. You shared with me your upcoming tour and there's some really cool uh, venues on there. A lot of festivals actually. And what I notice is that from my perspective, it's nice and spread out. Sometimes I see these artists posting their tours and it's like Tuesday in Ibiza, Wednesday in Tulum, Thursday back in Ibiza. I'm like, how much money are you getting paid to to travel like this? And mm. I respect that everybody uh, has their own life experience. They get to do what they have the bandwidth for. Uh, But I always felt that if I was an artist, I would kind of do less shows, but really the shows that I feel aligned with. And when I look at your list, it looks like you are picking shit that you're excited to show up for. What's your approach to touring?
1: Um, I have to be honest, when I was younger, like 10 years ago, Um, I toured a lot and it was exhausting Um, I did that kind of shit like doing 30 shows in 60 days during the summer in 2013 I remember that and so when you're young you just like I said you you just say yes to everything you have an agent they say I'll get you a booking for that that amount of money and you say yes yes it's good it's because it's like for you it's like success it's like fame it's money it's like you're gonna be able to play in front of people. You are happy. You are finally a DJ. Mom and dad, I did it. I'm a DJ, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I earn I, I earn my life like this. And then you realize like you you you're tired. You're just completely tired. Um. So I I it would be a lie to say I'm I'm picky because. Um, at this time this is what I've been offered and I'm happy with it. For sure, if it was too much, I would be able to say, uh, no, I'm going to pass if I don't feel it. But I think also what's um, on the tour, um, you said it's a lot of festivals, and those festivals are a lot of, uh, kind of related to the Burning Man spirit or to being um, mindfulness. Um, I think because uh, if, when you play down tempo, it, it's a vibe, you know, it's a vibe where um, it's been di- kind of uh, discovered in those spiritual places like in Mexico, Tulum and uh, and Berlin and smoke, club, like more underground scene at Caterblau, um stuff like that. So I think it was brought by more experimented people like like the vet of, uh, of party, you know, and they don't they can't they can't rush on 140 bpm music all night long, so they have to slow down. And, and I find this very convenient. (laughs) So you you can just take your time, but can still be nasty. Yeah, it's just slower doesn't mean it's boring.
0: Right? It gives an opportunity to sink into the music a little bit more a little slower pace, but by no means is your music lacking the ability to send it, as I say. Mm. And what sending it really means is losing your mind, leaving it behind and allowing your body to channel and respond to the music in whatever it presents in that moment. You mentioned that the festivals that you're playing at, a lot of them, fit into this burning man category and you use the word mindful and Mm. this really excites me because the first party I ever went to was uh, an afterlife party in Tulum and it doesn't make sense to me now, but acid Pauly was headlining. (laughs) Uh, Right? I Um, love this guy. Yeah, I know. And I didn't, I didn't know anything at that time. So I was just there But what really blew my mind, I mean, I was an open-minded person on a little bit of a spiritual path at that point. But all of my partying before that was like hip-hop clubs and very egocentric type of vibe. And when I went to this fucking party in Tulum, it was hugs with everybody and then two-hour conversation about my mom dying and my abandonment issues. And it was so incredibly connecting and open that sort of like you said, reborn in 2014, a part of me was definitely reborn uh, at that first party that I went to. And I'm grateful that it was a bit of a mindful crowd rather than like a cocaine filled club. Um, like I call it like cocaine and alcohol vibes. Yeah. I'll you know, all do all, all due respect for everyone, but that is not my vibe. And mm. now that I've been partying for four or five years, I'm 35 years old. I'm growing a little bit. I find that I'm only really going to parties if it has that burning man essence of people showing up with an intention to be open and to connect. And generally speaking, I find a bit of a conscious crowd that's drawn to these parties. And that's what I'm there for. I mean, sure, I'm there for the music, but ultimately an ideal experience is where I can connect with other humans on the dance floor who are really tuned in and paying attention. When you go on tour, um, what kind of audience do you like to play for? Um, And actually, before we get to that, I want to ask you, do you party? What's your relationship with going to gigs? Do you go to clubs? Do you go to festivals? Do you dance? Do you sit in the back and just kind of listen? What do you do? Uh,
1: So I used to dance more than that because uh, (laughs) I had the energy to dance all night long. I still dance. I, I'm just going back from a, a, a special party uh weekend, which was the 40th birthday of a friend of mine and uh, her best friend. They did organize a mini festival for 180 people in the, in the, in nature with like, like DJs such as Khaleesi and Sarah Christ playing. And I Come did on. play there and Fari and a lot of friends, uh, or cats and stuff. And, um, And it was amazing, like it was totally we are all burners uh, from from for a long time. So it was really a safe uh, place. Safe, safe. When I go to party, I don't go in a club uh, anymore unless I'm playing there, because first of all, in clubs, I feel people are young and sometimes not uh, experimented enough. I mean, like I'm talking about Paris because I live in Paris, Mm -hmm. but Berlin is completely different. Um when in Paris in my hometown, I don't go to club anymore. But unless it's with uh, only good friends uh, that are organizing the party. I do love what I do is like being play uh, as I play in festivals. I also party in festivals. It's uh, I do this a lot. Sometimes I just get a show and I can stay one more day after that in the festival and enjoy the, the party. Um, and the people I I, I can't uh, I mean like that's not that I can't but like I don't really like to arrive like 30 minutes before a show play my gig and get out you know like that's not my vibe I just get here like at least an hour before so I can just like sink into the vibe and feel it and then after I'm probably staying a little bit because I'm I'm having a lot of fun Uh, Or maybe sometimes I I just stay until the end, just to after party with people I don't know, I don't care. But I'm not the guy that stays in the back for sure.
0: I love you. And (laughs) just to give you feedback from an audience member, a fan of going to these parties, it means so much to me when I see the artist hanging around and just Mm. enjoying the party, enjoying the experience that we've come here to create together. And again, I respect that everybody has different shit to do. And some people got to leave and catch a flight to Barcelona, right? And that's cool. But when I see a performing artist hanging out on the festival grounds, it Opens this channel for me to feel more connected, and then guess what? When you play, I'm more tuned in because I feel like yeah. this is a cool guy or a cool girl. You know,
1: I mean, it's. Um, I think everybody loves uh, simple uh, artists like who who don't think they are like goddess or gods, and uh, and this is what I found in the downtempo scene is like. A lot of artists are super nice. And, and this is why, this is another reason why I think I signed on those labels to go back to the first question you asked. I think it's also because um, I, I was scared of that, that underground scene. Uh, I was more in the more uh, mainstream scene before and people are like shards. Like they just, it's just a business, how they can use you, how they can get, up, get to the top uh, through you and downtown pusing people are chill people are cool they're they're nice of course the big artists can't just fucking stay there all night long because they have shit to do and and right and and also i think after like 15 20 years of partying you can't you can't part i mean especially people living in berlin for example how do you expect like a berlin dj to just party like for three days in a row when you are like around you 40 years old. I mean, like, like, yeah, i mean like, I'm, I'm, I'm 38 and I can, I can tell you, I can't, I can't do like a dance marathon anymore. I would love to, but like, I can't, I just have to come back home and, and get some rest when I see those kids raving for hours and hours. That's it. But I do like people, uh, who still are smiling, talking to the crowd, even if it's just for what five minutes, and I think it's normal. What I don't like is when the DJ is like, uh, head, eyes on the deck, not a single look at the crowd. For t- three hours, that, that's something that's weird. I just <laughs> no. I mean, like for me, I'm talking for me because I think a DJ is not only playing, uh. Music—it's you. You have to feel the vibe of the crowd to know exactly what you want to do, or not exactly. Maybe sometimes you, sometimes you're wrong and you try stuff. But at least if you try something, you try with hundred percent of your heart, and it's it's okay. But if you're never reading the crowd, I mean, like for me, it's important to really read the crowd. It's part of the of mm-hmm. being a DJ more than playing the right track at the right time. Because sometimes I, I like to change my vibe and the, the, there's yep. a lot of DJs like that, that just they just read the crowd, and and well, I love yeah I love them when they play when you play with the crowd when you there's an interaction.
0: There's levels because I think even there's probably a lot of high level DJs who keep their eyes down maybe they feel more comfortable that way. And I think they're still reading the crowd in some way. Yeah, yeah, sure. But the next level is feeding the crowd. Yeah. And when I was doing my little research on Temple Tears, I was on your Facebook page and... There's a there's a video of you playing like in a desert somewhere. I'm not sure what
1: uh, oh, party this was. I think it was Midburn, a long time ago. Oh God,
0: I'm very interested in Midburn. It
1: the, it's it's a it's the regional Burning Man event of uh, Israel in the Negev Desert.
0: I definitely want to attend that. But the the reason I'm bringing it up is because. You were going nuts um, <laughs> you were you were preparing your shit as the build was going and when it dropped, you oh my god, I I got excited just watching this video and I can tell you from being a guy in the crowd, that fucking pumps me up and gets me so much more into
1: the vibe yeah. that we're creating together. Um, yeah. I think it's good that that there's different. Sort of teachers, like I'm very ex I'm expressing myself a lot. i'm I'm dancing, I'm moving, I'm shouting. I'm just like like this. And I understand also people who are like more intimate into their bubble and and some if people like it too when uh, when the music is the only interaction they have with the, with that. So I think it's good that there is different different vibe for different people. And this is why, like, I don't expect everybody to love temperatures, and uh and and this is normal, and everybody doesn't like uh, the big the big guys and stuff. Uh, but I, I love I love DJs who are dancing, like when you when you see uh, Mira playing, for example, and she's like oh, yeah. dancing like this. She's like, she's you you can see she's having a blast, there, for example, and
0: and I like it. I love it too. I wanted to tell a brief story and then sort of lead that into a question for you. I'm currently living in San Miguel de Allende in central Mexico, lovely city. There's not a strong music scene here. And really to get like proper music scene, I feel like I have to take a four hour trip to Mexico City which I'm not always prepared to do. Mm. There was a party happening in the city next door. I'm not going to say any names here, but there was some professional DJs that I know that were there and they had a function one setup. So I told my friends, let's go. I mean, I just want to feel a fucking function one. Let's go Mm. to this party. And we got there, the majority of the crowd was like and i say i say this from a place of love but the majority of the crowd was sort of posh uh really well dressed and standing around with fancy drinks and everybody gets to experience the music or the party however they want i've learned to respect that after years of complaining about the crowd everybody gets to have the experience they want But there was a moment I was sitting in the crowd and I felt like there was not this collective focus on the music. It was very scattered. And I had a moment where I just said to myself in my mind, I said, man, I want to be part of a crowd that the DJ is like nervous to play for, Uh, like healthily nervous, like. And I have this fantasy of Berlin. I've been there a few times, but I think it's safe to say it's the mecca of our music scene. And I feel like when an artist, for example, on July 17th, let me just double check that. On July 17th on your tour, you're playing at Cotterblau in Berlin. Every show is going to be different, every party that you show up for. But when I look at a man that was playing 30 shows in 60 nights i imagine there's some nights where like you want to bring your best but you just kind of have low energy and maybe you can't fully show up uh are there certain shows or parties that you circle on your calendar sort of and you're like ooh i'm really excited to play for i got to make sure i have my shit together for these guys does that happen for
1: you um to be honest with this music project temple tears i circle every gig yeah because like like i said i was getting bored by my former um project and i finally found a new way to express my myself through music and it's down tempo so now for me every gig i decide to go uh or i'm invited to every show counts like of course in those ones there are some standing out, like such as playing for the first time at Karablau, because I've been partying at Karablau as um as a dancer, as a party goer. So it's like in your head, even if it's it's like it's it's a step that you can cross like a, check a box, like okay, so Karablau. <laughs> um it's it's in between being proud of yourself and it's it's also a good uh, good way to to know where you where you are at, at at the moment. I mean, like for example, like like you you have yeah, you have elements that give you a, a hint about how your your career I don't like that where is going. And for example, it's uh, event like Karabla Monastery Festival um, and others. And it's also when people are looking for bookers or agent. If you're looking for a booker and you ask, how can I get a booking agent? It means it's not the right time to get a booking agent hmm. because agent will find you at some point. And, and the cool show will come with them. Uh, but with your work as well. And, uh, if you have a booking agent, for example, it means that, that, uh, it's another step, um, of, of the, of the life of your project. It's better than career. Um, so yes, for me, all the show i am attending and I'm playing uh, this summer, uh, since the beginning of the project, I'm so happy. Um, uh, of course, when I'm being told that I'm going to play three hours on a on a Sunday morning at ten AM at Karablau in Acid room. I'm oh. excited, dude. <laughs> oh. and, and also <laughs> I, I learned that one of my friend is my best friend, uh she's playing like for the first time as well in Karablau, like one hour after me. Wow. And and another guy I know is playing for the first time the day before me at Karablau. It's like who, and we
0: Who all, are these who are these artists?
1: Uh the the girl is Mathilde dutz Mm-hmm. Uh, from, from Crepit. Um, it's actually the girl that inspired the title Mathilde, and uh, one of my best friends. And Fari, a French DJ, which is playing a live in the uh, Opera, which is a room of, of uh, catapulted the, the day before me. And so all our friends, because we, we have uh, we have uh, the same friends, they're like, okay, so Greg is playing. That's me, by the way. <laughs> Greg is playing, Mathilde is playing, uh, Max is playing. Okay, we should fucking book a flight to Berlin, and so now there's a group of people uh, starting to think about. Okay, we should go and and, and witness the first uh, the first DJ set of our friend in Karablau. and uh, and it's like Karablau was like the mecca of down you know, like because Mira is uh, is really involved into it. Um, uh, also, I think it's it's a cool 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 club. People are. Who go there like that. They just—it's not Bergen people, you know. They're not dressed in black. They're like—it's colorful. Yeah, it's colorful. That's and you know, colorful on not only the outfit but like the 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 vibe, the energy, the the way they move and stuff.
0: All of it to anyone in Berlin or anywhere out there listening. July seventeenth, circle it on the calendar. Get your ass to Cotterblau, That's I good. wish I could be there. Um, I like to. I took a class in university on theater, and I wasn't really interested in theater, to be honest. It just was a requirement that I had to take this class. And the one thing I really remember from that class was that the professor was teaching us on how the audience is an important part of the show. And oh, yeah. an easy example is if you go to a theater and the audience on Wednesday night, everybody is on their phones and they're talking. And then on Thursday night, the audience is totally tuned in to the performance and they're giving that energetic feedback to the performers. Can you seem like a guy that's tuned in to the energy of these experiences? I want to hear from your perspective how valuable that feedback is from the crowd. Uh, Sometimes I'm at a show and people are very distracted in the audience. And I have this feeling that there's a flow of energy sometimes that's being blocked. Uh, I was at a party recently and there was these four people standing right in the front and they were standing, like not even really feeling the music and behind them was a bunch of animals like ready to let loose but i was witnessing this energy blockage and it's something i'm working on but it really fucking frustrated me and i tried to energetically like push them out of the way with love and like Mm -hmm. clear the space but my interpretation is that that's like a sort of like a wet towel right on the performer's face Mm. when there's hot fire that could be there. And I think from my experience of partying, I find a lot of value when the front of the audience is like the core of the fire and they're sort of of setting. And then it's like, Hey, if you're getting a little tired, you have the awareness to step back a little bit. You smoke, you smoke your cigarette here. So, I don't think I'm crazy, uh, but I want to hear it from a DJ's perspective. Like how valuable is it to have an engaged audience in in your site or that you can feel?
1: Um, very interesting question. I think um, what because a DJ is stuck in a DJ booth, uh, what, what you are uh, uh, sightseeing, uh, what's in your site is really important. I mean, for me, it's really important. Um, it never really happened that i I have people in the front row doing nothing because usually people who don't want to do anything they just go away smoke a cigarette. but it's very important that uh, I interact with the people just in front of me uh, because I mean, like it's a dedication they they decide it's a it's a choice to be in the front front rows, so they are really uh willing to be um uh, listening and and interact with you i mean like you're not on a front row for nothing and i like those people usually they they are like the, they are like a channel for me like i see them as they are channeling my energy to the crowd um, yes. if they are if they are dancing really hard uh people behind who may, may, may be shy or a little bit more shy would maybe get more comfortable with like letting go so yeah those those people are just right in front or behind because i loved something i really love is when i i have people behind me dancing like friends or even not friends but like like when i'm surrounded by people oh wow that's a very cool experience Uh,
0: yeah you know hearing you talk about the people who are in the front row and they're not there for no reason, it makes me reflect on the difference between the music scene in Europe and in North America. Particularly, I can speak for the United States and Mexico. And I feel like it's a little bit, uh, the culture is a little bit, young here. And as a result, sometimes you have people showing up to the party just to be at the party. Uh, and that's okay, too. But I mm-hmm. find from time to time, there's just these people that are drawn to being in the front, because it's like the cool place to be. Mm-hmm. But they're not really channeling the energy, ah, like you yeah, said, I what and,
1: you mean? It's, I mean, it's, it's okay, that that people don't come at parties for DJs. Sometimes you just don't give a shit. You don't know Like Probably like the party I go, maybe there's 20% of people who know who I am. I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe 30, 10, uh, 50. I don't I don't know. But I'm not playing only for those who know me. I'm also playing for, for those who don't know me. And like like you said, you didn't know anything about music. You showed up at a party w- without knowing who the fuck is Acid Poly and it blew your mind. So this is also for me I see that as an opportunity to to touch someone and even even if it's only one person that didn't know me and the the day after the the gig I get a message on uh uh in in my DMs of on Instagram like saying wow you really made my night i'm fucking happy that's it like like wow i i was like a little piece of the puzzle of that person's life for a glimpse uh and and I'm happy that I was part of it. That's it. This is what I do is.
0: Yeah, I feel that that's the value of the curators, whether that's the venues and their booking or the record labels. It's if there's a club that I connect with, and an artist that I don't know is playing at this club, I like, that's kind of the golden situation for me. Like, okay, if Cotter is booking this guy,
1: they must mm-hmm.
0: find some interest. I've never heard of him. Show me something new. Uh, that yeah. really excites me.
1: There's so many different ways to discover new artists. Uh, it, it might be through friends, uh, going to a party, listening to uh, SoundCloud DJ sets, wandering on SoundCloud. Uh, there is so many things, uh, so many ways. To discover new music and new artists. Do
0: do you dedicate time to searching for tracks for yeah, your sure. sets? What's that process look like for you?
1: When I I have a show, um, because obviously I play uh, my music, but I I don't want to play only my music, uh, because first of all I love the music of other people, and I don't I don't want I mean I want to surprise people with new material. Um, usually when I have a show. Um, or a podcast to do like 10 days before I start digging and just take like time on, uh, exploring um, internet or asking friends or listening to, D- to to DJ sets and maybe you will discover a new artist and then a new label and you will you will click 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 and mm-hmm. then you end up, love end up on love something it. yeah it's like it's like wandering you just don't know where you're gonna go
0: And for you, does that look like SoundCloud? Are you following artists on Beatport? What's the actual process?
1: There's not one I prefer. Uh, It's both. Like listening on SoundCloud, obviously, but also Beatport. Because Beatport sometimes just... uh, There's like one label that has a cool track and you want to listen to all the others. And it's convenient to to just click on it. And you can do it on SoundCloud as well. But like SoundCloud they have also premiere they have like a guest podcast with beatport uh, or bandcamp you can just see everything at one click
0: crates.co brother i'm excited to, yeah, and now to I hear wanna, your I feedback
1: i want to try i will try it for sure
0: so this has been a a lovely conversation i feel like i'm building a friendship with you thank yeah, you for same. for being here i want okay. to As we close the ceremony here in the next 5, 10, 15 minutes, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, you as a human and maybe a place to start that conversation is talking a little bit about your creative process. Um, Do you dedicate time to work on music? Do you go with the flow? Uh, Do you find that you're energized in the mornings? Do you like to stay up late at night and create? What does your process look like?
1: Oh, dude. Um, I'm so impressed by people and and jealous of people who have like a process that you can stick to. Uh, I have ADHD, so I'm easily distracted by a lot of things. So one sure thing is like I only produce music at night. There's no email, there's no phone calls, there's no message, there, there's nothing, there's no car, like, less cars in the street. I'm by myself, and I know I'm gonna get less destruction. Um, I don't have, like, a day I prefer. Maybe it's better on the weekend, because I also own a restaurant, and, and uh, of course, if I work on a, in my restaurant, I can't, I mean, I can't... Uh, I can't be like fully dedicated to music the day before, for example. So, mm-hmm. but now, 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 now that I'm touring more, um, I work less at the restaurant, like to a point where I won't work anymore there. Um, I think it's, and also when I was, during, when it was locked down, I, I, I was forced to stay at home. So, I, I, it was cool for me now that I can, I can still live my life. And I think it's really important that I do see my friends and I go on a vacation, go to movies, museum, because music uh, is, um, when you do music, you have to be inspired. And I knew a guy who was like, um, not doing anything apart from producing music. And he was struggling and he didn't understand why he was struggling. And I told him like, dude, you have to live something if you want to tell the story about your life. If you don't, Leave anything out of your software, it's like you're in it your own shit, like (laughs) you know what I mean. Like, you are you are like in a Mm -hmm. closed, uh, closed, um, circuit, um, yeah, closed loop, closed loop, yeah. And it's like, and there's nothing new coming from the universe to you, to your creative process. Um, so sometimes it's just sometimes I know that I have an idea for example, for a remix or like. um the story behind the track La folie I did what uh, I did um produce um intro for festivals and and gigs with the gangsters Paradise uh, choirs Yes so and I started to produce the the intro the music around the intro and it it turned out it became a an, a track so I get rid of the gangsters Paradise coolio and I did a track. So sometimes you just never know how the, the, the track and the creative process will come from. It's just you have to go with the flow. Sometimes I just do a track in two nights and it's done and it's amazing. Sometimes I just struggle for one month and I'm just saying, okay, I will work on this later and I never work on it again.
0: <laughs> yeah. But
1: it's, it's like life. I mean, like you can't do everything. I mean, it would be boring if I was able to do like bomb tracks like killer banger every couple of days you would be bored to to see my name on soundcloud every week like oh another temperature track okay i'm like it's cool because like now i feel like if if i release something it's because it's really good for me Uh, and i took the time to achieve something and i don't want like for sure quality over quantity for sure
0: and your your discography is really a great example of that i mean i'm looking through the list and genuinely every track i've have some kind of relationship with <laughs> that's extremely rare um how much do you value sleep oh uh
1: i know that sleep is like <laughs> really important uh but when i produce music i can start like 7 p.m and just end at 7 a.m right so I know sleep is really important I evaluate it a lot but when I'm partying with my friend producing I hate to watch the clock like yeah because watching the clock or uh, this the sun rising see with the sun rising it kind of get me out of my creative bubble so um, I don't want to see the time going I just want to be focused. So when I'm at night and I don't look at the at the time I I know it's good like whatever the outcome I'm having a great time with myself
0: Yeah it's sort of like a timeless flow zone yeah. that exactly. I think once you feel that I know for me I kind of got addicted and was chasing it uh you don't you don't just show up and it happens it's sort of a a magical alignment of things and when that flow zone presents itself really nothing else matters and you just yeah. ride the wave on it um i do find uh, i'm 35 turning 36 in a couple months so you and i are you know stepping closer yeah. to 40 and yeah energy changes as you get older and something I've been paying more attention to as of late is the value of sleep and it's really like a skill to sleep well and to know like not to be looking at a screen for an hour or so before you go to sleep and exposing yourself to sunlight at certain times in the day there's a lot of science behind it but much like you I'm sort of that's why I laughed at your response. It's like, I understand the importance, but I haven't exactly uh, intentionally created space for seven to eight hours every night. And you mentioned you dive into your productions at nighttime. So clearly there's going to be nights where you don't get much sleep yeah. and then you got to show up for whatever the next day. Yeah. Are you a coffee drinker?
1: Um, I'm not a big coffee drinker. I like I like a coffee in the morning but, um, on the afternoon, but like, usually if I do music at night, this is because I have no agenda the day after I'm completely free. I'm not the guy like, because it would put pressure on me. Like, dude, watch. You have to be awake or whatever. No, if I do music, it's because the day after I'm completely free.
0: I like that. Yeah. You I'm inspired by your genuine love for the music and i don't feel like you give much of a shit about projecting a certain image on social media but a theme that's come up with a lot of artists i've been chatting with is they now feel uh, an obligation to invest more into their social media presence and they feel that getting bookings and gigs now that's a variable that's being considered is what is your following like on social media I'm curious, what's your relationship with social media? Um, I hate it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I used to, when I started 10 years ago, we only had MySpace like 12 years ago. Then we had Facebook pages, then we had Twitter, then we had Instagram, then we had Instagram stories, et etc. Et and I'm not the kind of guy who wants to talk about my day to day life. I think it's boring to know that even when you tour it's boring to know that I'm going to a hotel room or whatever and then I go take like my car and my flight. I understand that people who are not into this um, music industry, they, they see all the bright side of uh, being an, an artist and touring but they don't see the 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 dark side like the I'm tired I um, don't have much sleep, I have to get my, my taxi, my flight, stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I think it's kind of lying to them if you if you only show the bright side. But if you mm. do show every part of it, uh, it can be interesting. I think I, I don't know yet how I'm going to use um, social media for that particular project, Temple Tears. But uh, if I do uh, take the time to share with people, it's going to be because I want sharing and um, the topic that I'm in, really into. Um, and not only like uh, what I'm doing at the moment, which is like, hey, this is a new track. It's going to be released that day. I'm going to that club, that festival. And I did a track with that guy. And uh, I think it's cool. But the only message here is like, Hey, look how cool I am. I have gigs and I'm a DJ and you can catch me there. I understand this is a new way of, of communicating, but like, uh, I I don't know if I, I would. I, I mean, like for me, it doesn't has any effect. I'm not going to go an artist to check an artist because I saw he has like million followers or because he... He just showed uh, himself brushing his teeth after he just said, like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and like, like, my life is not that important. I'd rather people focus on the music. Uh, but if they want yeah. to interact with me, then I will have to find a cool way to do it.
0: And I'd like an honest answer here. And you've, you've mentioned previously that you've received messages from fans before. Uh, How does that feel for you when people reach out with uh, an authentic expression of their gratitude for your craft?
1: I'm super happy. Um, I always thank people either if it's uh, and take time to talk to like at least say thank you. Um, I I, I prefer talking to people and in in real life. For example, I have when I I did my first two gigs uh, in Berlin on the same weekend. In Beate, where we skripit, and in uh, Hummersport uh, for Wusa, I met a girl um, who lives in Berlin, who was like dancing at the two shows, and I not- noticed her, and I went to talk to her, I so thank her. It turned out we stayed con- we stayed connected, and she came to my other gig at Menschmeier uh, for Midyear Festival uh, uh, later on, and so for this this party, I invited her. Um, to be my guest in backstage Mm -hmm. with me because I was like, okay, so here is someone coming by herself in a club to see me dance, uh, see me playing, and she was dancing her ass off with this super cool attitude, like who was perfectly fitting and matching my level of energy. And I was like, I want to know that person. I (laughs) want to, and I'm talking about really know her, like who the fuck are those people? For example, the last show, the last show I did in Berlin at Menschmeyer, I met a couple of French, uh, two fra- young French guys, a girl and a boy, uh, and they were talk first time in Berlin, and they were talking about Bergen, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like you're you're gonna get smashed if you start like this. So I I I talked to them in the flight. Then we I invited them to discover Berlin. We had like a proper kebab together and mm. I put them on my on my VIP list, VIP on my list as well. And, uh, and invited them backstage because I wanted to give them like a super intense first time in Berlin and and I liked them. They were super nice guys and uh, nice people. And uh, I wanted to, I like to share moments, special moments with people. I like to, I like to meet people when I'm playing in a club. I can't meet everyone but sometimes I just see a smile or like, uh, uh, like you said, like someone just thanking me after the set or, and it's always like, it's, it's always fulfilling. And it's, I mean, how can you not like, uh, when people say thank you for what you just did? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Man, I feel the love and I'm inspired by, by you, uh, as much as, you may not like social media uh, it's an opportunity for for humans to connect and to find your music and that's that's how we ended up here right so in conclusion uh, if you want to check out temple tears instagram we'll leave his little link in the comments below he has a listing of his upcoming tour dates really cool looking parties and if nothing else, I really just invite you to take a little look at his discography. This guy's got a really unique groovy, I'll oh, do it again, dark uplifting. <laughs> ah, it gets me, brother. I get you, and I appreciate you. In in closing, is there anything you want to share with anyone who may be listening?
1: Um Thank you for listening first. and uh, yeah. I, and I hope I will see you very soon on any dance floor uh, on earth. Um, and thank you again for inviting me. It really, was really nice. And I thank loved you. your and I have to say, I loved your energy during the lockdown when I dis- it's when I discovered you because like you are really liking this music when so <laughs> I can tell you really love what you do and you love the music and sharing with other people. and for me, it's all what music is about. So thank you
0: and everybody plays their part. So I appreciate you, brother. And thank you for what you do. I I really hope to share a dance floor with you soon. Oh, we will.
1: I'm sure we will. All right, brother. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Ciao.